Chapter 15 of Good Stories for Great Birthdays. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Myra Parker. Good Stories for Great Birthdays by Francis Jenkins Olcott. February 25th. Jose de San Martin of Argentina, The Protector, Part 2. The Fall of the City of the Kings Lima, the city of the kings, stands not far from the sea on a plain near the foot of the Cordilleras. When San Martin landed in Peru, Lima, the proud, the rich, was the seat of the Spanish viceroy's court, with all its pomp and vices. She was shut in by walls, above which rose her turrets and domes. Many of her people were slaves, Indians, or freedmen. The rest were haughty Spanish grandees and rich royalists. Lima was the civil and military despot of all Spanish America. San Martin had now but one thought and aim, to drive the Spaniards from Lima and make the city independent. He besieged her by sea and land. Through proclamations sent far and wide, he urged the Peruvians to rise up and help gain their own freedom. Peruvian colonists, Indians, and slaves flocked to his standard. The siege began to tell on Lima. Her pride was humbled to the dust. Her food was exhausted. Fresh supplies were cut off by the blockade. The poor suffered dreadful want. The rich were deprived of their luxuries. Rich and poor alike lived in terror of their lives. To add to the miseries of the unhappy city, her officials, who should have protected her, fell to quarreling among themselves. On the 5th of July, universal terror reigned. The Spanish viceroy had announced that he was about to abandon the city to her fate. Everyone believed that San Martin's troops would fall upon her to pillage and burn. At dawn, the viceroy marched out with his troops. There was one mad rush to escape to Cayo, the port of Lima, several miles away. All the people who could hastened to leave. Crowds of fugitives hurried along the highways, people on foot, in carts, on horseback, men, women, and children, with bundles and household goods, with horses and mules, and with slaves bending under heavy burdens of baggage and treasure. Inside the city there was pandemonium. Women were seen fleeing toward the convents. The narrow streets were choked with loaded wagons and mounted horsemen. By midday, scarcely a person was to be seen. Those who had been forced to remain had barred their doors and closed their shutters and were waiting with fear and trembling for San Martin's troops to fall upon the city. In the midst of this confusion, the few officials who had not fled gathered together to consult as to what should be done. They feared an uprising of the slaves or an attack by a mob, but greater still was their fear of the multitude of San Martin's armed Indians, savage and undisciplined, who were surrounding the city. For though the Indians were under the command of San Martin's officers, they seemed likely at any moment to break loose from restraint and massacre the helpless people of Lima. The Indians were so near that they could plainly be seen, perched on the heights that overhung the city. 
the officials in great terror of mind wrote a letter to saint martin entreating him to enter lima and protect her the letter was dispatched by a messenger all night long a profound silence brooded over the city the next morning saint martin's answer came it was brief he would enter the city he said only if it was the real wish of the people of lima to declare their independence he had no desire to enter as a conqueror he declared but would come only if invited by the people and added he that the people in the meanwhile might give whatever orders they desired to his troops surrounding the city and the orders should be obeyed his answer stunned the officials they could not believe that a conquering general could be so humane to a helpless foe they thought that san martin was mocking them but to put the matter to the test they sent an order to a commanding officer of a regiment stationed near the city gate asking him to withdraw his men to a spot a league away the officer immediately withdrew them the good news flew through the city people went almost mad with joy confidence was restored and parties of picked soldiers were invited in to guard the city in a day or two everything was as before the shops were opened again women were seen stealing from the convents men ventured into the square to smoke their cigars the streets were lined with refugees returning to their homes bringing back bundles trunks and treasures the street criers were bawling their wares and the city was restored to its usual noise and bustle then a deputation of citizens waited upon san martin to invite him to enter lima and proclaim her independence captain basil hall retold san martin the conqueror a retreat the people watched eagerly to see san martin enter in state as a conquering general should the day passed and he did not come when it began to grow dark he rode in through the gate attended by a single aide-de-camp and he would not have come then if he could have helped it it was his plan to slip unobserved into the city early in the morning before people were up but the reason why he had to enter at evening was this he was tired and he had just settled down for the night in the corner of a little cottage outside the walls he was blessing his stars that he was well out of the reach of business when in came two friars who had discovered his hiding-place each one made him a long tedious speech one likened him to caesar and the other to lucutius good heavens exclaimed san martin when the friars had left what are we to do this will never answer oh sir replied the aide-de-camp there are two more of the same stamp close at hand indeed then saddle the horses again and let us be off exclaimed san martin so it happened that the conquering general was forced to retreat and enter lima before people were asleep the mother and her three sons when he entered the city instead of going directly to the palace where he was to lodge he stopped to call on the governor in a moment the news of his arrival sped through the city people came thronging into the governor's house and even filled the court and street san martin was forced to stand in the audience chamber and receive the crowds old people and young people pressed fast upon him but though he was so modest and heartily disliked any show or pretension he received their praises patiently and kindly 
a handsome middle-aged woman approached him and as he leaned forward to greet her she threw herself at his feet there clinging to his knees she looked up into his face and exclaimed that she had three sons at his service who she hoped would become useful citizens san martin listened to her with respect as he gently raised her from the floor she flung her arms around his neck and finished her speech he replied to her with great earnestness and the poor woman's heart seemed bursting with gratitude for his attention and kindness the little girl who was bashful san martin then seeing a little girl about ten or twelve years old who was too bashful to come forward lifted the astonished child and kissed her cheek when he set her down again the little thing was in such ecstasy that she scarcely knew what to do another little girl san martin established his headquarters a little beyond the city wall there he was completely surrounded by business but every man coming out of san martin's presence seemed pleased whether he had succeeded in his petition or not among others an old man came into headquarters holding a little girl in his arms he had just one request would the great general please kiss his child san martin good-naturedly kissed her and the father went away radiantly happy the best cigar san martin lived on the friendliest terms with his officers one day at his own table he opened his pouch and took out a cigar rounder and firmer than the rest he gave it a look of unconscious satisfaction just then a voice called my general san martin started from his reverie and raised his head who spoke he said it was i said an officer who had been watching him i merely wished to beg the favor of one cigar from you aha said san martin smiling good-naturedly with an assumed look of reproach and at once he tossed his chosen cigar to the officer duty before the general at another time san martin was entertaining a visitor on board a schooner while they were walking up and down the sailors began to swab the deck what plague is this said san martin that these fellows will insist on washing their decks at this rate then turning to one of the men he said i wish my friend you would not wet us here but go to the other side the sailor who had his duty to perform and who was too well accustomed to the general's gentle manner went on with his work and soundly splashed him and his guest i am afraid cried san martin we must go below although our cabin is but a miserable hole for really there is no persuading these fellows to go out of their usual way captain basil hall and other sources retold lima's greatest day july twenty eighth eighteen twenty one peru's independence day it was lima's greatest day it was the twenty eighth of july it was her independence day flowers and perfumes were being showered down from palace windows and balconies they fell on the heads of san martin and many officers clergy and officials who were marching through cheering crowds they marched to the great square and mounted a platform the troops were drawn up in the square the declaration of independence of peru was read aloud then san martin standing on the platform unfurled the new flag of the republic of peru as he shook out its scarlet and white folds on which was the face of the sun rising over the andes with a tranquil river at their base he called in a loud voice 
from this moment peru is free and independent by the common wish of the people and by the justice of her cause which god defend then waving the flag on high he shouted long live the fatherland long live liberty long live independence long live the fatherland shouted the crowds as they caught up his words and passed them along from the square to the streets beyond the bells of the city rang out a joyous peal cannon were fired and such a roar of voices went up as was never heard before in lima then from the platform silver medals were rained down on the crowds on each was inscribed lima being liberated swore its independence on the twenty eighth of july eighteen twenty one under the protection of the liberating army of peru commanded by san martin san martin adopted the title of protector of peru he took upon himself the temporary government of the country until its independence should be assured i do not want military renown said san martin i have no ambition to be the conqueror of peru i want solely to liberate the country from oppression hail neighbor republics san martin continued to wage his successful campaign against the spaniards now let us leave him and peru for a moment let us turn to the united states and see what we were doing about all this we recognized our sister republics for the first time on march eighth eighteen twenty two on that day president monroe sent a special message to congress saying the provinces belonging to this hemisphere are our neighbors he recommended that congress should recognize as independent nations colombia chile peru mexico and argentina then called la plata brazil had already acknowledged them so the united states was the second power to hold out the hand of fellowship to our neighbors england followed soon after this acknowledgment of a brave people's struggle for freedom came after more than twenty years of terrible warfare our neighbor republics recognized in eighteen twenty two have the honor of having won their own liberty without the aid of foreign allies for though they had the sympathy of all free peoples and the moral support of both the english and the united states governments and though hundreds of foreign young men whole legions of them volunteered in the patriot armies and shed their blood for spanish-american independence yet the patriots of the southern republics had to stand up alone and unaided by any government they won their independence by patient endurance of every conceivable suffering by rising above momentary defeats and by courageously persisting to the end under the command of their devoted liberators in the language of saint martin god granted them success america for the americans so at last the spanish-american republics were recognized their freedom was practically won but the kings of continental europe felt their thrones tottering and their crowns loosened after the wars of napoleon the whole of europe was in political ferment so it always happens after long wars the peoples of continental europe who for generations had been downtrodden by kings and emperors had learned from the united states and france 
of such things as liberty constitutions and the right of peoples to a voice in their own government everywhere the peoples of europe were preparing to demand constitutional governments then too a wave of infidelity was sweeping through the world the result of the terrible french revolution then in eighteen fifteen the three kings of russia prussia and austria formed a league called the holy alliance its original purpose was lofty it was at first a very pious affair the holy allies agreed to take under their christian protection the kingdoms of europe and to govern their three peoples as one people by the dictates of the holy religion of christ they pledged themselves to bring about a reign of charity justice and peace for europe the holy allies claimed to be divinely appointed to do all this spain france naples and sardinia joined them england did not become a member for though she has a monarch she has a constitutional government it was not long before this holy alliance became a hotbed of european intrigue and developed into a subtle political league to destroy the awakening liberties of the world the holy allies conspired to put down all democratic principles and stamp out all representative government from europe they also conspired to prevent the formation of any new republics in other parts of the world and to chain the liberty of the press which is the voice of the people thus these holy allies joined forces to uphold the divine right of kings and the tyranny of absolute monarchies their next move was to promise spain to help destroy the spanish-american republics and thus restore to her her lost colonies this was after we had acknowledged the independence of those republics the holy allies planned to invade america with their army when this news reached the united states there was a furor and when added to this news it was announced that russia was laying plans to colonize the pacific coast of north america there was great indignation in this country it was then that president monroe on december second eighteen twenty three gave to the world the famous monroe doctrine which is this to the defense of our own government which has been achieved by the loss of so much blood and treasure and under which we have enjoyed unexampled felicity this whole nation is devoted that the american continents by the free and independent conditions which they have assumed and maintained are henceforth not to be considered as subjects for future colonization by any european powers we should consider any attempt on their part to extend their system to any portion of this hemisphere as dangerous to our peace and safety but with the governments the spanish-american republics who have declared their independence and maintained it and whose independence we have acknowledged we could not view any interposition for the purpose of oppressing them or controlling in any other manner their destiny by any european power in any other light than as the manifestation of an unfriendly disposition toward the united states this is the monroe doctrine america for the americans american independence is what it means what one american did october ninth 
1820. Now to return to South America and its struggle. That was bravely and cleverly done, exclaimed Joseph Villamil. Villamil was an American, a citizen of the United States, who had cast in his lot with the Spanish-American patriots. At his house in Guayaquil, a city now part of Ecuador, the local patriots met to discuss plans. The province and city of Guayaquil lay on the northern border of Peru. They were still under Spanish rule. They were garrisoned by 1,500 Spanish soldiers. The patriots decided to capture the garrison. So while San Martin was preparing to besiege Lima, they set out from Villamil's house, led by a Venezuelan officer. Villamil accompanied them with a band of Englishmen and North Americans who were eager to help in the attack. They took the garrison in double-quick time, and with very little bloodshed at that, for scarcely eight men were killed. That was bravely and cleverly done, said Villamil, and that he himself had fought bravely and cleverly during the attack was soon proven, for the provincial government of Guayaquil dispatched him aboard a schooner to carry the good news to Lord Cochrane and San Martin. Some time after, there took place at Guayaquil one of the most amazing meetings the world has ever seen. The Amazing Meeting This amazing meeting at Guayaquil was like the dramatic climax of an exciting story. There was a mystery in it. It happened a few months after the freeing of Guayaquil. The people of the city, dressed in their gayest clothes, were crowding along the streets and craning their necks to watch for a procession. Triumphal arches spanned the streets. On each arch was inscribed, Bolivar! And while the people watched eagerly, lo, the new white and blue flag of independent Guayaquil was hauled down from the gunboats on the river, and in its place were run up the red, yellow, and blue colors of the great new Republic of Colombia, which had just been formed to the north of Guayaquil. Then there was a sudden burst of military music, and under the triumphal arches marched a procession of officers in brilliant uniforms and soldiers with bayonets and astride his war-horse, cocked hat in hand, rode Simon Bolivar, the Venezuelan liberator, small, erect, and elegant. He had been leading his conquering army down from the north, driving out the Spaniards, while at the same time San Martin had been freeing the republics of Argentina and Chile, and convoying his army up from the south to the liberation of Peru. It was General Bolivar, who had founded the new and great republic of colombia and had given it a constitutional government he was now come to guayaquil on his way to liberate peru he rode thus proudly under the arches that bore his name his alert bright black eyes turned to the right and left as he took in every detail around him soon after this the amazing meeting took place San Martin, the protector, arrived at Guayaquil to confer with Bolivar. Strong Spanish forces were gathering in Peru, concentrating for a terrible and final struggle. San Martin's army had been weakened by disease and losses. He was now come to ask Bolivar to join his forces with the Patriot Army in Peru and so help bring the war 
to a quick and decisive end thus the two great patriots met in the gaily decked tropic city one had liberated all the northern part of spanish america the other had brought independence to two southern republics bolivar small alert sagacious of vivid personality and iron will impatient of restraint elegantly clad in full-dress uniform san martin stalwart earnest simple yet strong dressed in plain garments on the result of their conference hung the completed freedom of all spanish america they were left alone they conferred for more than an hour no one knew what they discussed but those who caught glimpses of them said that bolivar seemed agitated while san martin was grave and calm after the conference san martin sent his baggage back to the ship the next day they conferred again again nobody knew what they discussed that night san martin went aboard his ship and sailed for peru what happened afterward then came the results of that amazing meeting san martin returned to peru and announced that bolivar was coming with his army to aid the country he then resigned his command refusing all the honors heaped upon him by the grateful peruvian government but he said that if the republic of peru were ever in danger he would glory in joining as a citizen in her defense then to the sorrowing peruvian people he issued a farewell address assuring them that since their independence was secured he was now about to fulfill his sacred promise and leave them to govern themselves adding god grant that success may preside over your destinies and that you may reach the summit of felicity and peace that same night san martin mounted his horse and rode away into the darkness he had left peru forever he passed through chile and lay down his command then he crossed the andes to rest for a while on his little farm at mendoza there the terrible news reached him that his wife had died in buenos aires all that she had meant to him he himself expressed in the simple words the wife and friend of general san martin his trials were not yet over for on his reaching buenos aires its officials met him coldly and scornfully then san martin ill sorrowful and forsaken took his little daughter in his arms and going aboard a ship sailed for europe thus he left argentina and went into voluntary exile he never saw buenos aires again five years later longing to retire quietly on his farm at mendoza he returned to argentina he never left the ship he learned that if he did so old political factions would rise up again and civil war might threaten argentina so he sailed back to europe there he looked after his daughter's education and in his old age he lived comfortably in a small country house on the bank of the seine he cared for his garden tended his flowers and read his books until his sight began to fail at the age of seventy-two still a voluntary exile for the good of his country he died in his dear daughter's arms i desire said he 
that my heart should rest in Buenos Aires. THE MYSTERY SOLVED What was the mystery that made San Martin, at the height of his success, bow his head in silence and go into voluntary exile? His enemies reviled him. Even some of his friends accused him of deserting his post in time of need. But he neither complained nor explained. A great act of self-abnegation may not be hidden forever. Years passed by, then San Martin's noble purpose came to light. At that amazing meeting, after he and Bolivar had exchanged opposing views as to the best form of government for Spanish America, they began to discuss the liberation of Peru. Bolivar refused to enter Peru or to allow his army to do so without the consent of the Congress of Colombia. He politely offered to send San Martin a few troops, altogether too few to aid in the subjection of the large Spanish forces gathering in Peru for the final decisive struggle. San Martin, at a glance, read the liberator's purpose. He saw before him a brilliant general, of a constancy to which difficulties only added strength, who by joining his army to that of Peru, Argentina, and Chile, could make sure for all time to come the liberation of the whole of Spanish America. But it was also plain to San Martin that Bolivar would never consent to share his command with any other man. Therefore, San Martin offered to lay down the sword of supreme command of his forces in Peru and serve as an ordinary officer under Bolivar. This Bolivar refused. San Martin was pushed to the wall. There was left only one of two things for him to do, either to return to Peru and wage an unequal and possibly losing warfare against the Spaniards without the help of Bolivar, or to withdraw. He withdrew in silence. But why in silence? Why did he not explain so that people might understand and not misjudge him? In a letter that he wrote from Peru to Bolivar, giving his reasons for retiring, he told why he was silent. The sentiments which this letter contains will remain buried in the most profound silence. If they were to become public, our enemies might profit by them and injure the cause of liberty, while ambitious and intriguing people might use them to foment discord. Again he said, it shall not be San Martin who will give a day's delight to the enemy. And on leaving Peru, he said in his farewell to the people, My countrymen, as in most affairs, will be divided in opinion. Their children will give a true verdict. And their children have justified his faith. Today, his body rests in the cathedral of Buenos Aires. And today, the school children of Argentina are taught to love and reverence the father of their country who never thought of himself. Jose de San Martin. End of chapter 15. Recording by Myra Parker.